1: Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome in to the Athletics of Best on the Board. Here with Andrew DeWitt is Michael Beller. We are about to take a look ahead to week 13 lines to kick off, off, excuse me, this episode of Best on the Board. A little bit later, Tas Mellis of No Dunks will be joining me to take a look at Monday's NBA slate. Always a fun day in the NBA on Monday, but we start off with the NFL. We start off with Andrew DeWitt. DeWitt, what's going on, man? How you doing?
2: Oh, I'm doing awesome. Fun weekend of NFL games. I feel like there's... Yeah. Like, I was looking at some stats. Like the NFC teams that started out super hot to begin the year, are now like falling off a cliff. It's just gonna be super interesting to see how this the rest of the season plays out, especially as we get into December, January. The weather flips a little bit. Teams get you know injuries are piling up for teams. So I'm mm-hmm. just so excited to look at some of these opportunities, betting opportunities, as we get starting the week here. Yeah,
1: we are echoing one another. I talked about this on Monday's episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast, where it hasn't necessarily been like the best pure football season. I don't know if we could say that we've got these ultra standout teams or that we've had the best just individual seasons or, you know, just all those sorts of things. Like it's not necessarily the best one of those in my lifetime, but I think we have a super fun finish to the season with the way the AFC is stacked up, with the way that the the divisions are stacked up in the AFC, the way that the NFC is going to have some really fun jockeying for position at the very top of the conference, and then you've got the Niners, the Vikings, and the other teams who are going to be fighting for those last few berths into the playoffs. Like It's going to be a really fun, exciting, competitive finish to the regular season, so I think we have a lot to look forward to in this remainder of the NFL year. Let's get to these Week 13 picks here. Uh, DeWitt, we've got Uh, a little bit of a a fun situation ahead of us on this episode uh, where not only do we have our first head-to-head pick of the season in the early lines? We also are just living in the same two games, and that just happened you know, not on purpose, just by happenstance. We both like looking at Patriots-Bills. We both like looking at 49ers and Seahawks. One of these is a head-to-head. One of them, we just have plays in the same game. Let's start with that head-to-head play. Maybe the biggest NFL game with what we were just talking about in Week 13, Patriots and Bills. The winner will be the leader of the AFC East. And... Potentially in line to maybe knock off the Ravens and get that top seed in the AFC. Patriots are three-point underdogs in this game in Buffalo over at BetMGM, the presenting sponsor of Best on the Board. So DeWitt, what do you got and why? And then I'll come in and tell you why you're wrong. Uh, sounds good. I
2: have a Patriots <laughs> plus three. Um, you know, I just like, I mean, this team is on fire right now. And, yes. you know, it's not necessarily that. You know, the, the offense is, is world beaters right now. It's more that the defense is carrying the team and then Mac Jones isn't making any mistakes. Um, You know, he has two interceptions in the last five games. His completion percentage is above 70% in the last three games. Um, You know, I love the Patriots' run game against that Bills' defense. You know, the Bills' defense run game has been a little le- uh leaky lately. And, you know, yep. the three-headed monster they have going with Harris, Stevenson, and Bolden, you know, they've just been great right now. And the Patriots just know how to win. Belichick's a great coach. Um, you know, I think coaching can be overrated in the NFL sometimes, but I don't think when Bill Belichick is involved, it doesn't seem like it's overrated. He knows how to create a team that's going to win games. Um, and then you're looking at the bills, like part of this is like taking the Patriots because I think they're in a really good place right now going into December, but on the same side of the game, on the other side of the coin is, you know, the bills are three and three in their last six and they played one of the easiest schedules in the NFL, um, they kind of went through that cupcake row earlier in the season. So, mm-hmm. you know, now that they're playing some tougher teams, it's going to start adding up for them. I just see this game as where, you know, Matt Judon has another great game. He has 11 and a half sacks already. You know, they dominate, gives Josh Allen fits all night because he's going to get in the backfield. And then the Patriots offense take, takes care of the ball, runs the ball, doesn't make any mistakes. And then they kind of either sneak out a win or the Patriots, you know, kind of cover at the last second with a really close game.
1: Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting because both of these teams have beaten up on those bad teams, and I saw some people wanting to play that game with the Patriots coming into last week's game, or week 12 yesterday's game, as you and I are sitting here talking about this against the Titans, by saying, yeah, sure, they've won this many games in a row, but who have they beaten? and I sort of lose any sort of sympathy for the who have they beaten argument when they've beaten the teams that they've beaten the way that the Patriots have for the 54-13 win against the Jets, 25 nothing against the Falcons in week 11. They can't control who's on the other side of the field and they have dominated those teams. I don't care who you're playing. When you're winning games week after week after week by three scores, four scores, five scores in some of these instances, Like that is impressive regardless of who your opponents are and you're doing that every single week. So you know, I I think the Patriots are have absolutely earned every single bit of this eight and four record it's not just like they're beating up on bad teams and that was sort of the bills earlier in the season just like you said when they had that cupcake part of their schedule sure those were bad teams but they were just those games were over within you know, 20 minutes of game time. It was halfway through the second quarter, and it's like, all right, well, now the question isn't do the Bills win, it's do the Bills win by 21 or do they win by 17? And so both of these teams have taken advantage of the AFC East schedule and gotten to the point they've gotten to by doing so. So I think it really comes down to you know which team can assert what it wants to do in this game. It's going to be a really fun one to watch because when the Bills have been at their best, it's been not quite what they were offensively last year, but something close to it. Josh Allen being efficient through the air, hitting some big plays to Stephon Diggs, hitting some big plays to Emmanuel Sanders, which we actually haven't seen in a couple of weeks, doing a little bit on the ground, and just really overwhelming their opponents with what they can do every single time they get their hands on the ball. The Patriots, when they've been at their best, exactly like you said, a great defense. Mac Jones is not making any mistakes. They've got this two-headed monster in Damian Harrison, Ramondre Stevenson, and as we saw in the win over the Titans, that is starting to open things up for the Patriots passing game Mac Jones thrown for more than 300 yards and 9.7 yards per attempt in the win over the Titans in week 12 so both these teams can do what they do very well and very reliably I just want to trust the Bills this is like you know we're still getting a little bit of home field in terms of the lines here so we're basically looking at this as being a pick'em game on an on a neutral field I think that is fair I still want to widen the Bills. I think you got to knock off Josh Allen, knock off this offense before you can assert yourself as the king of the AFC East. And so I will go ahead and take the Bills. A very fun game, I think, that we've got ahead of us between these two teams in Week 13. Let's get on to our second picks here. DeWitt, 49ers and Seahawks, we are both going to be in this game. You've got a pick on the side. I've got a pick on the total. Of course, we haven't seen the Seahawks yet in Week 12. They've got the Monday night game against the Washington football team. Seahawks are two-and-a-half-point underdogs in this game at home right now on BetMGM against the 49ers. Let's hear your pick for this one.
2: Yeah, I like the 49ers taking the points, uh, minus two-and-a-half, you know, in Seattle. Uh, I'm not too worried about, like, the road game here. Um, yep. You know, the Seattle Seattle's just in a bad place right now, and, and this could all change tonight when this game comes out and maybe the Seattle comes out and puts on a really good performance in Washington. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of doubting it. I mean, I'm just not seeing that. I, I bet against the Seahawks last week, too, on this show. Um, so, yeah. you know, you know, the 49ers are like a team that's on the upslope right now. They're 3-0 since they lost to the Cardinals. And what happened after that Cardinals loss? George Kittle came back. The offense opened up the offense. Got a really good rushing game from Mitchell yesterday. 133 yards and a touchdown. You know, Jimmy G still kind of scares me as a quarterback. But if he's not <laughs> sure. making mistakes, sure. they can win the game because their defense is awesome. You know, Joey Bosa has 11 sacks already you know that's more than he had his rookie year when they went to the Super Bowl he's kind of dominating on that defensive line so you know and uh, Seattle is just it just feels like we're going through a bad breakup here with Russell Wilson and Carroll and it's almost it feels like this team's ready to push the, the the reset button so I'm just kind of like banking on that that it's you know the drama that we saw this summer is becoming more true and you know it's just I'm just banking that this Seahawks team is not going to rebound at all here and like find out that oh suddenly that Russell Wilson's great again because his finger is a little bit better I'm just thinking this is a bad football team and I'll just keep betting against them because they have some name brand recognition out there
1: I think that's totally fair. That's the side that I would be on as well if I were picking a side. And I agree, not only is it going to be one of Russell or Pete Carroll, who are going from Seattle after this season, wouldn't be surprised if both of them are off to a different spot. Maybe Pete Carroll, maybe it's the end of the line. Who knows? That's total speculation. But uh, the Seahawks team is clearly reeling, and that's before what could be another loss against the Washington football team on Monday night. However, you made one point about Russell Wilson, which is why I like over 46 and a half and it is that we should expect him to be getting healthier and healthier as the weeks go by and when he first suffered that finger injury the timetable that the team put on it was six to eight weeks well guess what tonight is tonight is week six tonight is the sixth week that Russell Wilson has been removed from the incidence of that finger injury so he is now actually in the timetable for which he should have been playing football I understand why you rush him back he's a guy who's never been hurt in his career I mean that even goes back to Wisconsin and North Carolina State a guy who has just never been hurt at the highest levels of football and with everything that was ahead of them in the NFC as a whole and the NFC West with just within their own division like they really needed him back if they were going to compete for a playoff spot that's basically out the window so I understand why you rush him back it didn't work out but now we're at the point where we would have been expecting him back and that's tonight next week He's seven weeks removed from that injury, so there's reason to believe we're going to see more of the Russell Wilson, who we know, both tonight against Washington and next week in this game against San Francisco, than we've seen in his first two games back from that finger injury. You combine that with what the 49ers have done, as you've said over these last three weeks, getting George Kittle back and hitting the ground running, the run game looks awesome, and obviously we're going to have to keep an eye on this Debo Samuel injury, hopefully he's able to go in this game, but with him in the backfield, with Elijah Mitchell healthy and in the backfield, they've been able to get back to that Kyle Shanahan style of football that has made them a very dangerous offense since Shanahan has been in San Francisco. This game, if we see a good offensive performance from Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, I promise you, DeWitt, this number is bumping up at least a point by tomorrow. And with what we can expect from San Francisco with them getting back to being able to do what they want to do. We've seen those big offensive games now weeks and weeks and weeks in a row, 34 points against the Vikings yesterday. I think we see a good offensive game between these two teams. I'd be willing to bet that if you're sitting down on Sunday to bet on this game, we're looking more at a total of like 48 and a half or 48 or even 49. So I want to get it now while I feel like it's going to be at its absolute low point of the week.
2: Yeah, and just one note on Debo Samuel, inside injuries, you know, the uh, freelancer we they use at the athletic, and it's great. Um, they said that Debo, even if it's a mild groin strain, is probably going to miss some time. So that's one thing to keep an eye on here is, you know, he said it wasn't that big of a deal. He didn't want to make it worse during the game yesterday. But, you know, it's groin strains are something that you just don't kind of come back the next week yep. from. So that's something to keep in mind, especially as we look at, like, fancy waivers tomorrow. And there's not going to be an injury report before fancy waivers tomorrow, so –
1: Good thing to keep in mind for sure. Hopefully we see Debo Samuel out there. But either way, we're riding you 49ers minus two and a half. Me with the over 46 and a half when the 49ers and Seahawks get together next week. That's it for the NFL side of this episode of Best on the Board. And that's it for Andrew DeWitt on this episode of Best on the Board. DeWitt, good luck to you tonight. You've got one more pick from last week riding on Washington tonight. So good luck with that and good luck with these picks next week.
2: All right. Have a good one.
1: Okay, NBA time on this episode of Best on the Board. Tass Mellis from No Dunks in the Athletic joining us here. Tess, what's going on, man? How you doing? I am doing wonderful, Michael. How are you? <laughs> I am also doing wonderful. I like that. I like to hear. Uh, I like to hear it, and uh, you know, it's fun. Last week, uh, we got a little bit chastened, right on our on our NBA picks. Things did not go so well for us, so I like that we're coming back on the prop side of things. Three picks between the two of us, all. Prop plays. I guess four picks, really. I sort of got mine combined into one, but no matter what, we're talking all props all day on this uh, NBA weekly segment here on Best on the Board. So why don't you get us started? Carl Anthony Towns has a point prop at 21 and a half tonight. You going over or under that number? i'm going over he's
0: playing miles Turner in the indiana pacers who he plays really well against 29 and 12 against miles turner throughout his entire career and 33 and 11 over his last three i kind of like just the point number more than the points plus assists plus rebounds 34 and a half uh, because that can get a little bit murky a little bit little little (laughs) too many factors there but the 21 and a half is easily an over for me because Carlton Downs was playing really, really well. On Saturday night, he scored 28 points, and it could have been a heck of a lot more. He only took 16 shots to get 28 points, and uh, he was willing to give it up to, to other guys. D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards were getting their shots. Uh, so I think, you know, j- just by the law of averages, he gets even more shots tonight, but I, I, I feel like that 21 and a half is just kind of low. Uh, he fouled out as well against Philly in that double overtime game, so I just expect a, a bit of a bounce back where he's focusing on being on the floor. He's averaged 23 points per game this season, uh, but with Indiana coming off a back to back and the way he's played against Miles Turner, that 21 and a half is too juicy to pass up.
1: Yeah, I like this one too. Um, I was clicking through looking at props today, and um, I just, by the time I Got around through clicking. I never even really made it to this game. Um, and so when you sent this to me as one of your two picks, I was like, oh, oh, wow. 21 yeah, and a half for Carl out. Anthony Towns. This, uh, this looks nice. And so I am I like this one. I don't know if I'm going to play it myself, but definitely would be supporting your side if I were going to play it. I'll tell you what I will be playing. Eric Gordon taking on a, a larger role. For Houston of late, and I really like uh, everything that is set up for him right now because of the fact that you know this team just is, is desperate for scores. It's desperate for scores. It's desperate for playmakers. And maybe John Wall is back eventually. Maybe John Wall factors in for this team eventually. Maybe it's not too far away, but it's not happening right now. And either way, I think Eric Gordon's going to be a team or a player that this team has to ask a lot out of really all season long, as long as he's there. So over fifteen and a half points, over eighteen and a half points plus assists. I think both of those. Are, are there for him. I mean, right now he's really sort of acting as the de facto point guard for this team. And you just look back over at his game logs here, 14 shot attempts uh, in his last game over the weekend, nine before that, eight before that, 17 and 13 in the two games before that. He is this team's, you know, sort of go-to guy. He sort of has to be the primary playmaker and scorer on the perimeter. For this team. And so long as he is that, I like the way that these numbers shake out for him. I really like the way everything shakes out for him in terms of just being a pure producer for this team. He also had seven assists uh, in his last game, in this team's last game. So again, he's like, you know, no one would, no one draws up a season with Eric Gordon as their point guard, but he sort of is the de facto point guard for this team with the way it's constructed right now. And so as long as he's going to have the ball in his hands as often as he should for them, as long as he's going to be able to play upwards of 30, 32 minutes every single night, again, something we should expect from him at this point, these numbers just feel a little too low and like they haven't adjusted to the reality of what this team is right now
0: i love it michael we're going a little bit deeper here looking for the player props that maybe people have passed up like carl anthony towns wolves pacers not the first game you click on as well as these houston rockets uh these two teams going at each other tonight okc and houston combined 9 and 29 the records are and i'm sure people are overlooking what is going on in the houston backcourt much more of the story is that john wall thing that you brought Mm up but they are showcasing eric gordon for a potential trade eric gordon would definitely help a contending team and he's definitely going to be moved by the february trade deadline in my opinion and he's doing a really good job of it when eric gordon has something to play for and something to focus on he can be a really good player in this league and he is he's you know producing as you laid out those numbers uh again i think this is something that uh is probably just in line with his averages uh, as far as the numbers go you know they're 15 and a half point total and the the 18 and a half points in assists but uh, he's producing and as he said it's kind of it's just a, a production by default here uh, mm-hmm. with with the guys exactly. that the young guys that he's playing with in in Jalen Green and uh, Kevin Porter Jr. So he'll
1: get his shots. Yeah you can always find that in the NBA and maybe I've got a little bit of, uh, of an emotional hedge on this too because uh, at least for this week he is my uh, incredibly Weak consolation to losing uh, Ja Morant for at least a few weeks on my fantasy team. Mm. Scooped up Eric Gordon. So uh, not exactly going to be uh, Ja 2.0 for me, <laughs> but uh, at least can produce with the opportunities that he's got before him in Houston. Let's get one more play on the board here. Tess Donovan Mitchell, his point prop tonight, 24 and a half. And again, we're feeling good. All positive, all overs today. Yeah, this one's
0: a little bit different in that his Prop number here is over his actual average, Uh, but uh, I think this is a good spot for him to break out uh, because he's been quiet lately, 18, 36, I'm sorry, 18, 13, 16, and 21 in his last four games. So why is he going to bust through 24 and a half points? Well, I like him against the Blazers defense. They like to trap with Yusuf Nurkic, and it's not really working out for them that well. They are the 29th ranked defense in the league. Uh, along with the Portland backcourt, it's not going to be able to stop Donovan Mitchell and Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. I do like that Dame is on the other side of the floor, though, when facing Donovan Mitchell, because I think Mitchell will be up to playing against him. And again, it's just a, it's a spot where he's due. That 18, 13, 16, and 21 is last four. That's not Donovan Mitchell-like numbers. So I think he should, uh, should jump through that 25-point barrier with uh, the defense that the Blazers will provide. But... I'm a little bit worried because the Blazers are an extremely bad road team. Going into Utah here, there is a chance that this could be a blowout. But, uh, you know, being that the Blazers are playing a little bit well lately, play, playing playing more respectable on the road, even though they're 1-9 and nine on the road, I think it'll be a close game, and it'll allow Donovan Mitchell to be on the floor long enough for him to get to that 25-point total. So give me the over. This is more of a field play than more than more of a, a thinker play with my Carl Anthony Towns or the Eric Gordon uh, plays that really makes sense. I just think that Mitchell will see Damian Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic and CJ McCollum on the other end of the floor, and the eyes will go big, and uh, so will the scoreboard for him. 25 and over, I think.
1: You love having guys on the other side who can come back and score it the way that Lillard and McCollum can. And then you also like the fact that, you know, even Utah's a 7.5 point favorite uh, tonight, which I believe is, yeah, it's the second highest spread on the board, the only one higher. Philly, 14.5 point favorites at home against Orlando. 222.5 is the total on this game. That is the second highest total, only one that's higher bulls and hornets at 223 and a half so this is a game where we are certainly expecting to see points on the board from both teams and that is always something you like when you are going to bet an over point proper. donovan mitchell over 24 and a half wrapping things up for us on this episode of best on the board thanks so much for joining us uh, if you're following us here good luck for tasks for andrew dewitt i am michael beller thanks again for listening to this episode of best on the board good luck to you we'll talk to you soon as always happy betting